Temple or no? No sign. Hopefully she won't ask. Hey, man, where you been? Oh, oh, hi, honey. Um, what do you mean? Where, where you been, boy? I, I, you know, I just out. I went out to um, buy. I've been making pie. Okay. Um, I haven't been gone a month, so I don't, don't y'all sass me. I, I'm not really being that. Sassy, I just, I'm worried that whip this... Whip your ass, boy! That this pie, you want me to whip my own ass? I, what? I, I'm gonna whip your ass! Oh, God. Why? Why, why would you do this? Is it because we've not been around for a month? Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with a very, 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 very special episode of Temple of Nerd, and I don't mean special in a politically correct sense. Uh, Lewis and I are very tired. It is a Sunday. We've just been to the gym. We, we've had a good cry. Uh, and now we're here with uh, what could have been described as an in the space between spaces of podcasts. Like, we're like the aliens from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which explains... We're not that bad. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're not, we don't go that far. But uh, we have been away a while, lives have taken over, and again, what do you want for free? So <laughs> thanks for waiting. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, then my God, Really? Get in touch. Let us know. Like, that never happens. Um, but to all of our regular crew, hello. Welcome back to episode 49.1 of Temple of Earth. There's going to be a nightmare later on when we're deciding how many episodes we've done. Like when we hit, like, I don't know, 53. Uh, so... Uh, In two years' time. Yeah. <laughs> the current rate. Uh, we'll be joking about like just picking up the podcast in the gym instead. And, and what, what was it? Do we'll put it on tape now so that it doesn't get. We're going to call it um, pump and pod. Pump and pod. Pump and pod. Uh, which is pumping irony. <laughs> you looked so pleased with yourself. Pumping. There. I, I thought the that best part. Of, the best part I've... of that for me was just watching how happy you were to say that. Out I loud. literally thought of that when you texted me pump and pod. I was playing. <laughs> I think I was playing on. My, playing FIFA or something and I literally just thought ha pumping irony oh wait a minute and then we both fell asleep and two days later here we are so if you've been following us in written shit uh, over the last month you notice that I finally found the time to finish Last Laugh the best Joker event taking ten cinematic and TV um, incarnations of the Batman villain the Joker and decided it was the best based on a five-point score system. We're not going to go into the five-point score system too much today. What we are going to do, from the lowest scoring to the highest scoring jokers, is give our two cents. Because you've heard me blab on about it, but I'm not the only person who's been influenced by these characters. Um, and I'm not the only person who's watched them. In fact, a lot of the guys that I talked about in the poll, I watched with Lewis for the first time. Or, or like we watched the same shows at the time of them going out. So, basically... Welcome to Last Laugh Extra. We're going to talk yeah. some more about the article. If you enjoyed the articles, if you haven't checked them out yet, catalystpodcast.com. Click on Chris's blog and there is the Last Laugh Joker event. Uh, one important note I'm going to highlight though, the top two, which is a bit of a spoiler for what we're going to, like the order we're going to give them in now, but hey, it's the past. The top two jokers <laughs> at the moment, both with five out of five, are Heath Ledger from The Dark Knight and Mark Hamill from Batman the Animated Series and God knows how many other things he's played the character in. So, um, which we'll get to later. 
what we want you to do while you're listening to this, after you've listened to this, before you start probably listening to this, I don't care, just just whatever. Tell us, either on the Facebook or on the Twitter feed, which of them is your favourite and why. Mark Hamill or Heath Ledger. Very important to let us know, because if you don't let us know, the other one might win, and then you'll feel bad. And we'll make you feel bad. We'll find out who you are, and we'll make you feel bad. We'll sit uncomfortably close to you on a bus. We'll, um, we'll put just too much milk in your tea, but you'll be too polite to say anything because you're a guest. British. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. British, British awkwardness. And to our, our listeners overseas, we will, um, describe to you just how wrong the, your milk tastes. Pumping irony. <laughs> Not that milk. <laughs> So, starting at uh, number 10, each of them uh, have similar scores along the way, so in no particular order, but ten, number 10 Joker we're looking at right now, I'm just saying number one, what am I talking about? I'm talking utter shit. Uh, number one, with two out of five, is John DiMaggio from uh, Batman Under the Red Hood, the animated flick. I've had my say, a basic summary of what I thought was that uh, his performance was pretty solid, but it was far too different from what we expect that it sat a little uncomfortably. Yeah. Um, the tone of the film sort of aided toward that as well. And even though John had a really, really good go at it and ultimately stole the story from everybody else because the joke was sort of the highlight of that movie for yeah. everyone, however they felt about it, um, didn't really make a dent on the the bat legacy as a whole. Didn't make a Harvey dent. No! Pumping oh, irony. Oh, oh, all over the left side of his face. <laughs> Soothes him. Uh, <laughs> it's two out of five, by the way. Doesn't yeah. mean he was a bad joker or that no, it was a bad all. performance. It's just when you're comparing him in a lineup against the likes of your Hamels and your Ledgers. It Yo does Hamill. sit. That, at... that's, that, that's that Danish Baker, <laughs> isn't it? Yo it does, um, <laughs> it, it does sit sort of quite low on the score I mean we were saying before as well like when I when I first watched Under the Red Hood didn't particularly enjoy it mainly because the Joker sat very uncomfortably with me mm. I still wasn't quite used to the idea of Hamill not being the Joker yeah uh, in an animated sense and it but over the years I've watched it a couple more times and I, I like it a bit more I appreciate what it was it wasn't the greatest adaptation of any one Batman story <laughs> but it, but it was a nice little it was a nice little one off I, I have I have mixed feelings about the because the, uh, the, the storyline of the comics called uh, Under the Hood, isn't it? I, I have mixed feelings about that story arc in general because I think Jason Todd's death was incredibly pivotal. So to then bring him back, spoiler alert! To then bring Jason Todd back and be like, "See, he hates you, and he's a vigilante." Chat <laughs> on two things. It shat on the mystery of that in the Hush storyline, where it's revealed that Hush is Jason, and then later revealed, no he wasn't, and he never was, and we're just doing this to taunt you. Because um, it shits all over that a bit, because it means you know that, oh no, one day he will actually be back, and we can't stop him. Also though, it takes a dump on the fact that that was a pivotal moment in Batman's life, which, yeah, it's interesting to explore the story of what if it was turned on its head, but I preferred it being left like that. Because it meant that Batman was never ever going to be comfortable putting someone in the line of fire ever again. Mm. Um, it changed him a lot. And the 90s Batman, uh, up until like, him taking on Tim Drake, even which then even then he was incredibly reluctant about, um, was a Batman who 
was tougher because he, he didn't want anyone around him to get hurt. Because <clears throat> essentially, as far as he's concerned, he led a boy to his death. Um, <clears throat> the pretty brutal death at the hands of the Joker. Uh, and that's another reason why I think this animation doesn't feel right. Because the opening sequence is a remake of the closing bits of A Death in the Family. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Just thrown in there. Yeah, which is cool, because it's a nice recap. And it's nice to see that moment played out. But when you get to such a significant moment, you want Hamill, man. Not just that as well. It, it opens quite strong with that scene. It's quite a good version of it. And then it gets a little more sort of kid-friendly as it goes on. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. And also, like the Joker is manic and wildly enjoying himself in the comic book version. So here he's more just like, tell me what hurts more. One or two. Front hand or back hand. He doesn't sound like he's enjoying himself. It sounds like he's just sort of going, okay, let's get this over with. Eh, I'm going to kill a child. Like, it doesn't sound <laughs> too what's it. But John DiMaggio, as again, as I said in the really article, good actor anyway. props to him. His legacy's safe. I mean, Bender, Jake from Adventure Time, Aquaman in Brave and the Bull. Like, this guy, this guy's legacy and is And every fine. other extra in an animated series ever. Yeah. yeah. Does, does I, I was playing um, Arkham Origins, uh, the Cold Core Heart DLC last night, which I'll do a quick review for you now. Crap. Um, <laughs> every other thug that attacked me was John DiMaggio. I was like, Christ, John DiMaggio. He's, he's that one's not, Roger Craig Smith. That one's Stephen Blum. He's, he's, like he's, the not, same he's not afraid to do the to take the little sort of you know the uncredited and the, the little sort of shitty roles. Yeah. He's willing to do that as well, which is credit again to himself. Which is why, it, you know, it could have been could have been less than two out of five by the way we've described our view of the Joker in that. But yeah. he, he deserves a couple of points there. Great voice actor, interesting Joker, not the best. The next Joker is one who is probably the most controversial one, let's face it. It's Kevin Michael Richardson from The Batman. Um, it's Black Joker. It's Black Joker, yeah. Black Jack Napier. Um, <laughs> the Monkey Joker, as a lot of people know him. And that's, again, be careful I interpret <laughs> that's that. That's very, very weird. Because he was running around on his knuckles and he was barefoot and he was always clinging from things upside down. Now, you see, um, I, I really like this Joker. <laughs> I think this is at least... I just realised how thin that eyes could have been for people not paying attention. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really like this Joker. I recently watched, uh, sort of purchased and, and, and re-watched uh, a, few of, a few episodes of The Batman yeah. uh, series. Uh, and I, I actually really like his Joker. I just like that it's different, yeah. I will say this, we first would have come into contact with it around 2005, 2006 on uh, on BBC One. On Children's BBC, they they showed um, the Batman as part of the lineup for a while, at least for a year. But I think we only ever saw really the first season go out on UK TV. But <clears throat> like well, it lasted a while over in the US. Yeah, well, yeah, five six, seasons. Six, five think, seasons. Yeah, five seasons, and, um, and getting bigger and bigger as it went on, and introducing more characters from around the DCU. Lots of gadgets, cashing in on that toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the, the action and the gadgets in in the show had some meaning and relevance. Yeah, they're all pretty solid. Like the the bat, like the bat armor and stuff was really cool and made sense. It was, it was for bigger villains. Uh, and robotic Scarface um, drones, which was an interesting episode. Uh, yeah, Scarface's first story. How does it end? With a robot Scarface carrying Wesker in its arm, rampaging through the city. It was like, oh, maybe not this one. Up until this point, you had us. Uh, but but the yeah. Joker in this series, I, I personally quite enjoy him. He's yeah. a he's a much more physically adept Joker. He's, he's a lot more mysterious as well, because it's literally just like... I think I think in the in the episode where they find him in Arkham, 
the cell's meant to be empty and he's just stuck himself there and I like the idea of so oh, he, that's the opening he's episode. Just gone in. It? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's just gone in there, and he's just like, "Yep, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for the Batman to come to me, and I'm gonna fight him." In a, a straitjacket. Yeah. yeah, because in this, he's physically capable of matching Batman, which is I Different. like that. Yeah, no one's ever done that before, really. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever done it. Since. The way he looks as well. The, a lot of the incarnations of the Joker have a certain look to them. Have a very slick, almost handsome very smart look to them this guy uh, is quite bulky quite short like you say he sort of walks on his knuckles he's a bit more sort of animal like he's got the wild hair he looks a lot he, I actually think he's one of the scary looking jokers the he, image you've got on the site there it shows mm-hmm. that actually this <clears throat> is like horror film joker for me he looks like a mutant gerbil and I mean that in a good way if yeah. there is such a thing like he, he, he looks like a creature uh, with the big teeth and the the red, the red eyes particularly I really like because it's a nice way to inject that colour into a show that tried to have a darker palette yeah. um, obviously the show and this Joker and any version of the characters in the show was going to come under fire because it was the first animated incarnation after the DC animated universe had closed off so we'd had the excellent Batman the animated series we'd had Superman uh, we had Batman Beyond, we had Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Everything really well received, really enjoyable, wrapped up, nothing more from that universe. And then this was the first thing to come next. And everyone was like, oh, right. It's... We don't like change. I don't like change. Like, and that, was, that's, that sums it up. And I, I think we, I think even, if I remember correctly, even we were resistant as kids. So we were a bit like, oh, all right, okay. I remember talking to you about it and being like, did you see that new Batman thing? And like, yeah, it was like, it's... Like it was a thing. It was a thing. Nice that there's a guy in a cape and cowl like on the TV. Yeah. But then a couple of years ago, and again in the UK, two DVDs have been available. One was Season 1, Volume 1, which is the first five episodes. And then after that, the DVD publishers obviously went, oh, screw it, and just released Season 1. Mm. But then nothing else. So, like, if you, it depends on how much of it you want, really, if you want to check it out. If you want a full season, you can get it quite cheap, usually for about £5. Otherwise, um, you have to buy it digitally, I think. Yeah, digitally. Well, digitally is the only option to get more than the first season yeah. uh, in the UK. In the States, you guys have got like a complete box set out. I believe there's talks of a Blu-ray release as well. And um, it's, it's had a bit of it's had a bit of a resurgence. Like a few years have gone since its first sort of initial uh, viewing in the UK and America. And, and it, you know, it did okay in the UK, but not sort of consistently strong enough to you yeah. know, get more releases. But <laughs> As years have gone on, it's sort of been revisited. Like, I know it's been recommissioned on a few channels, and it's done pretty well. Yeah. Well, it was because it, it, it visually appeals to kids today who want sort of the brighter, more stark, uh, contrast animated shows. Like, things like Ben 10 have given it a new lease on life by being that visually big and interesting as far as a kids action series go. But also, I think it's because a lot of people were um, not big fans of Brave and the Bold. And a lot of people um, really don't like Beware the Batman. So this is the closest thing to rekindling their love of the animated series one that they yeah. could get. It's it's strange, this series, because it looks dark, but it has cheesy humour and cheesy mm. gadgets. It's like, it's sort of right down the middle of animated series and Brave and the Bold slash 66 Batman. It's sort of, I think it's the one that's in the middle of it all. It has the, it has the darker, more adult look but the humour and the gadgets some of the dialogue is very uh, even Bruce Wayne in this is quite a he's quite a cool almost Bond-esque character uh, and he 
and he's quite young as well. And I, I think I think as time's gone on again, like I, said, I think I'm the same as sort of the reason it's sort of had a bit of a resurgence. I think with the, all the different versions that are out there now, with games, films, animated series, etc., from the past, I think I appreciate it in the pantheon of of the different incarnations of Batman. Now it's like no. It's not a bad series, and the same with the Joker. I quite like again. This is a Joker that is very different from all the others. Yeah, and you know, good on him for that. Although points lost, him becoming a lackey to Dracula in the DVD movie because Joker should never be a lackey. <laughs> um, <clears throat> next up with another two out of five, Jeff Bennett, the Joker from Batman: The Brave and the Bold, who again doesn't have many appearances. But when they do, show, when he does show up, he's a bit of an event. Like it, it's like, oh, Joker's here. It either is a bit part of other stories. I mentioned to you before we started recording the um, two part, a deep cover for Batman and Game Over for Owlman, where a heroic version of the Red Hood is in part one in an alternate world, and then in part two, Batman has to team up with the Joker to take down a Batman imposter, um, and it's a lot of fun. And it's only later do they try and get a little more. Um, I don't know, like like they went in with the, the sort of the raison d'etre of using other villains. And then as time went by they were like, okay, occasionally we'll do a big plot with a Batman villain. Mm. And I mean one one of the most interesting ones is they do an adaptation of the Superman story, um, Emperor Joker. But they make it a one episode thing instead of Mr. Mixer Picklick being the one who he takes all the powers from, it's Batmite. And instead of Superman being involved at all, Batman's the hero who has to find a way out of it all. Um, it's but it's a great. skewed take on a story. Well, yeah, well, it was like their way of adapting it. Because I know Superman then started to show up in the last season and stuff. Um, but before they that... The, they, they wanted the big gun to be Batman himself. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they wanted to, to have Batman with other heroes playing roles in it. Like, obviously, Blue Beetle was a big part of the show, and Aquaman was a very big part of the show. And, um, sort of gave the gave a few of the B team a chance to kind of step up, and, and e- even even if it was just to have a bit of a have a bit of a laugh at them, it still gave them that that screen time which they don't necessarily have in the wider spectrum. Um, Jeff Bennett plays it a bit like Tim Curry, which is weird because people have always been like Tim Curry would be an interesting voice for the Joker, which he was originally. He was, yeah, he almost was the Joker because he, he, he recorded uh, a significant part of the first season about an animated series hadn't he and then Hamill had to go back and kind of pretty much match what they'd animated for Tim Curry with his own version yeah and well, I, the... I think he has said it had a bit of an influence on him as well have they ever said the reason why Tim dropped out was it scheduling like he wouldn't have been able to record the I rest think... of it so it was just better to recast it Hamill spoke about it on Fat Man and Batman mm-hmm. and I think it was either something to do with scheduling with him having prior commitments or it may be him kind of just feeling kind of just changed his mind and was a bit like mm, I don't know if this is really I've heard there's a movie about people trailing treasure in the Congo I'm going to go make that instead and do a Russian accent that's going to be dreadful um, <laughs> but yeah so Jeff Benny gives you a glimpse of what that could have been like he also is enjoying himself a lot when he plays it um, but he's not going to be as remembered because he was never at the forefront Yeah. Uh, although kudos to being the only Joker to um, warp the title sequence into his own like the Emperor Joker episode has the Brave and the Bold title sequence, but Batman's been replaced by Joker, and all the uh, all the words like Kaparo and action and justice and all this on the make up the the building graphics have been changed to um, sort of Joker related stuff instead. That's uh, kind of cool, but again, that doesn't necessarily come down to Jeff Bennett, which is why he didn't score higher. Sorry, Jeff. 
So you, were also, you were also in Food Fight, so says a lot. <laughs> um, now, this one, I've had a few people say, how dare you score him so low? Uh, but again, but I definitely agree. It's, it's a scro- strong top five. The fact that he's even in this top ten proves that he's, he's good. Like, none of them are bad. It's Michael Emerson for The Dark Knight Returns parts one and two. Uh, although more so part two. In mm-hmm. part one, I think he sort of goes, ah, and then says Batman, darling. and then says Darling. And that's that's all he contributes to part one. But that's who he's playing, by Jingo. This is tough. This guy is the first one of the four we've mentioned with a real weight on his shoulders. Um, because Kevin Michael Richardson, at least, could hide behind the fact that... That's not it's, it's, hiding, it's a different but Joker. it's a different Joker. This is one of the most celebrated stories ever. Like, the highest-selling graphic novel of all time, and one of the most revered and celebrated works of fiction of the late 20th century. So, dude's got a lot of pressure on him on his shoulders. Plus, he's not Mark Hamill, and he's doing a very gritty, animated Joker. So, no pressure. Yeah, I'm... See, The Dark Knight Returns is interesting. I watched them and loved them, I watched them again and I was like, oh, they're quite slow paced. And I watched them again and I was like, no, no, I, I like it. I love how slow paced it is. And I watched them again and I was like, oh, maybe they need to... And I watched them again and I was like, no, no, I do love it. It's it's one of those strange ones where you've got to be a big Batman fan and a big fan of The Dark Knight Returns to really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Because it is like... It, it, it's not just about wowing you. It's about adapting the book well. And about being true to the tones, the themes, the language, the look of the book as well. Yeah. Um, and again, like you say, it's only part two where he really gets to perform. And even then, he performs well, but he can only do what the story itself will let him do. Oh, he doesn't have a lot of more. He doesn't have a lot of room for freedom. Yeah, uh, and he he does a good sort of older area Joker. Yeah, yeah. more kind of more mature Joker. Joker that's like, no, do you know what? If I've I been, if I've I been... die here, fine. I'm I'm literally concerned with like I've always said, oh, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Batman kill me and break his rule. But let's be honest, it fe- it never felt like he really meant that because he wants to keep doing it. Mm. It's in this way he's finally like, you know, right, Batman's come back. I can't have this. Mm. If it takes me dying or us both dying, that that that's what it'll take. Fine. Yeah. And he finally goes too far, and as opposed to threatening and maiming lots of people, here he literally just kills people again and again and again. Total love sequence, brutal as hell. He's just li- running through and just firing. Yeah, and he doesn't kill everyone, but he bloody tries to. He like, kills he everyone at least in the tunnel. Yeah, oh, he's even if they run off camera, and people you just see him just shooting, just shooting, just and firing shooting. and firing. It's it's. It's a scary performance, but like you say, it's limited to only bringing it uh, to life. And he plays it very calm. He doesn't ham it up at any point, which is, I feel like, maybe he needed to push a little bit. See, when I watched part one, I loved it, like I say, as a whole, but I was like, I don't know about the Batman, I don't know about whether I love Peter Weller in this. Yeah. Um, Because he plays it very calm and very subtle. But then when you see part two and you see that Emerson does this for the Joker, I was like, no, that's the point. Mm. Batman should be the calm, subtle one in this because he's the old one who's come back and it's going to keep a lid on it. Mm. The Joker needs to be a little, needs to cut loose a little more. 
which is which again I'm sure Emerson has that in his range it would have been nice to see him sort of cut loose a little bit more that, that might not be his decision that could be the direction <clears throat> yeah. uh, the production you know sort of what he's getting prompted to do he does have a very kind of blanket tone I find a lot of the DC animated uh, original movies have sort of like a, a blanketed hushed tone to all of them really like I, was, I rewatched Superman Doomsday the other week and I noticed that aside from the action sequences the, the whole tone of it is sort of like like there's no do you know what I mean like if, if, if it were no one gets uh, to chew scenery yeah if it was sound waves it wouldn't really flicker beyond a uh, sort of a, a, a slight jiggle like it'd just be yeah. a constant buzz um, and and the Dark Knight Returns is almost like that now the Joker's physicality negates it like in the Tunnel of Love sequence I always re- when I read the book the Joker is practically lustful in that sequence to me He's an old bugger who's not got his rocks off in years, and this is the biggest sexual thrill he's ever had. Like, he, he knows that one of them's going to die, he, yeah. and that is amazing. Like, he can do whatever he wants, because either he's going to win, or Batman is going to lose by by winning. Um, which is great, and, and, and it is that thing of, of, he's been the catatonic patient this whole time. Um, maybe he'd have a better shot at a better score if they'd done a prequel movie, which was just what the Joker was thinking of the whole time he was sat there drooling um, waiting for Batman to reappear uh, but who knows uh, also is Michael Emerson nice it'd be nice to see what you do with the role in a different setting um, right big boy <laughs> uh, we're at our sixth one our fourth one even no fifth one fifth I'm an idiot we're at the handsome one hell yeah we're at Cesar Romero or Cesar Romero uh, who is three out of five, and of course, best known for Batman, the TV series in the 1996, uh, 1966, not 1996, he died in 95. Uh, <laughs> that'd be weird. That'd be really weird. It's like Batman Forever starring Caesar Romero. Oh, 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 well, we'll just prop him up. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yes, the Joker, yes. Caesar Romero, um, Latino heartthrobbing soap operas and romance films by day. Psychotic. Uh, green almost hair, magical green, murderer by, green, yeah, green, by the late afternoon. Green, Never at night. Green in this fun of, of magician-esque uh, mirth and mayhem. See, uh, now I really enjoy this Joker for the yeah. reason that a lot of people don't. We were discussing earlier. I love that he refused to shave his moustache off to re- play this. In real life, yeah. He because, never wouldn't get rid of it. Because for me... If if the Joker is applying makeup, yeah. that's what he would do. He would obviously think when I get home to my my Harley babe, I want to look handsome <laughs> for her with my mustache and my chisel jaw. But we know we know out, she exists because she's in the sixty six digital comics as his therapist at Arkham. So we so know there she we go. exists. Whereas <laughs> if he's out, you know, fighting his enemy and one true love, the Batman in the day, um, and he's putting his war paint on for that, I like the idea that he is crazy and strange enough to just paint over his mustache. For me, that that really captures why Romero understood what it ta- what it takes to be the Joker. Mm. And for, see, now I, I I personally score him a little bit high because I even love his laugh. I even love the whole yeah. kind of camp hour like all that <laughs> silly stuff he does. Um, and though he never really he never really takes charge in the way that he should do in in the sixty six show. The story's never enough about the Joker and how terrible. And evil he is. Mm. I still 
think there's a darkness to him that a lot of people overlook. Yeah. Oh, there's some very sadistic uh, cliffhangers with the Joker. Yeah. Like, I think his is the one which famously has Robin about to be digested by a giant mutated clam. Which, of course, sounds silly, and it looks silly. But when you think about it, he's feeding a kid to an acidic creature, creature that could devour him. And that's kind of like, wow. Some of the others just leave him in a room with like laughing gas to distract them. Or like have them dangling off a ledge that they can clearly climb up. This dude's feeding a kid to a mutant creature that's going to devour his flesh. Like, that's pretty serious stuff. And it's one of the few cliffhangers where... Um, it's quite a famous one because you see it close around him. Like, he's dead. Like, the hand goes limp, leading out of it. And then the next week... It picks it up from before that moment, and he's clearly saved. But it was like, oh Christ! For a whole week, people were like Robin might actually die, like they'd ever kill Robin off. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, like the readers um, never vote for that, sir. Ooh. Oh, ah. but yeah, Caesar Romero. See, I, I really like his joke, and we recently rewatched Batman the movie. Yeah, um, and, had and, a, and had a mixed time. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit longer than it needs to be. But every moment Romero's Joker's on screen, I was having a good time. Yeah, he, he's so much fun. Especially in that film, the bit where they're, they're going to the uh, the captain of the boat, who's just tucked away in a cabin. And they've got a, a henchman on a bike with revolving scenery going past the window to make it feel like it's moving. And, and <laughs> the Joker's just popping in to serve him his tea. And the guy's like, oh, you're quite pale. Like, you should catch some sunlight. And he's like, oh, yes, no, maybe I should, sir, yeah. It's like, but A, that captain's stupid as hell. <laughs> but B, like, even in those little moments, he's having a blast because he knows full well this is utter nonsense because it's a comedy. Because, again, that's the other thing about this Batman show. It's a sitcom. The, the, like, a lot of people forget that it is a comedy. It's meant to be a comedy. Uh, and... Like, Cesar Romero embraced it like crazy. He really did. And literally did it for the giggles. Yeah. He, well, well, yeah. yeah. The, 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 and the, the money. And the giggles. Yeah. I mean, the production scene brought in, like, oh, he's quite a, he's a well-known actor. He's quite handsome. He could draw people in. He did it because it's like, why wouldn't I do this? It was a break from his norm. He's yeah, usually the romantic like lead. Loose and yeah, he was the romantic lead or the thrilling spy um, sort of action character. Which he brings dead. enough of that into the character. He brings the charisma yeah. and the charm and, and sort of the cool edge to it. But he gets to kind of embrace, <laughs> not necessarily the darker side of evil, but definitely sort of hammed up action set pieces. There's a great sequence in one episode. If you want to see it, uh, go to catalystpodcast.com, click on the Cesar Romero um, Joker article. I've included a clip of him uh, holding an art class hostage. Uh, Bruce Wayne's one of the people who's in the art class, so obviously he can't escape to uh, get into the bat outfit to take him on. Um, but he's loving it. It's really creepy. Like he's breaking the art and saying it makes it look better and all this. A weird precursor to something Nicholson would do in the Batman movie later on. But he's reveling in every second of just how utterly nonsense it is. Great Joker. And uh, a very solid three out of five. Now, this one's interesting, because I don't know how much you've seen of this guy, but the next one, who also got three out of five, is Scott McClure. Um, if you haven't read the articles, uh, but you're a fan of The Dark Knight, if you want to see more of that version of the Joker, in, in a take that is legitimately very solid, get onto YouTube and search for The Joker Blogs. It's a series of therapy tapes. 
Um, stronger as the, stronger later on. Yeah, yeah. The first couple are sort of very well written and quite well performed, but they, they feel like little fan films. By the fourth or fifth episode, you're like, oh, this is... A different This show. is quite strong, yeah. And then by the mid-season, yes, season point, uh, an episode that is now probably one of the highlights of everything they've ever done called BRB, um, it, it just becomes a whole new beast. It goes from being therapy session tapes from Dr. Quinzel of patient 4479. Uh, do you know why he's numbered that, by the way? Uh, because that was Heath Ledger's birthday. Oh. 4th of April, 79. So the Joker in this, because it's Ledger's Joker, yeah. 4479. Um, uh, it goes from being the therapy tapes to him escaping and taking the therapy tape camera with him to document the worst night of Jeremiah Arkham's life. And it is so good. And series two is still ongoing at the minute. Of uh, us recording this, it's halfway through. They're on their mid-season break now, and it's big and HD and scary and well edited. And each episode's about twenty-five minutes long, and it's fantastic. This is a gargantuan task because Scott McClaw is playing Heath Ledger's Joker. How the hell do you follow up Ledger? <laughs> like how? How, Lewis? No, seriously, how do you? Like how you? No, yeah, you, you, you know what? On that? When you think about it as well, it's a bit more of a mammoth task than it's not just a case of oh, he does a good impression of Heath Ledger. He does a good impression of a man who brought a lot of new people into the Batman fold mm. as fans, and who then shortly died and left this huge legacy. Yeah, and he's not necessarily imitating that, but he's definitely paying homage to that whilst trying to have his own stamp yeah. on the character. Well, that's, which, that's something... which is something that he gets to kind of do a lot more later on. Yeah. He gets to kind of tweak it and he has the, 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 the le- uh, sort of Ledger's mannerisms and little quirks, but he starts to sort of find his own, find his own little character traits, which is nice. He becomes his own joker. It becomes very much the James Bond thing of like, you know, obviously the the tone of the movie shifted with the actors, but Roger Moore is still playing Sean Connery's Bond. And, you know, Timothy Dalton is still playing Roger Moore's Bond. George Lazenby is still playing Connery's. Like, uh, the same way that Val Kilmer is still playing Bruce Wayne and Batman from Batman and Batman Returns. Like, he obviously will play it differently, but there is enough of a tonal similarity. Like you say, Scott McClure starts out as a homage, an impression of Ledger, and then just becomes that character. It's just another actor's take on that version of the character. And he does it very well. Uh, Now, one of the two categories he didn't get the point for was Legacy, because it's, as I say here, I shall quote my own writing, it's technically Heath's legacy being kept alive. Scott's entire performance means that he'll never get that point because his, his it's not his legacy, it's Heath's and he's and that, keeping it on. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> oh, it's a great thing, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just it, it's great. It's it's great to see that someone is at least giving us something we were unfortunately deprived of due to um, uh, Heath Ledger's uh, untimely passing. Uh, that someone is giving us a chance to continue with this character. I mean, even in even with the opportunity to give an official version of what's going on in the Dark Knight Rises novelization, um, all that Warner Brothers gives us in that is that the Joker is apparently somewhere in a cell in Arkham, the last remaining patient after it was evacuated, just sat in there and no one goes, well, he'd be dead then, wouldn't he? He'd be dead. What would he, what's he doing in there? That's a mm. stupid thing. Like, it's interesting because it's like, oh, he's still around. And the more you think about it, you're like, 
No, he's not. He's dead. He'll have starved to death. He's dead. He's bro- he clearly L- broken logic out. dictates he's died. He's dead, yeah. Like, you, he would have gone. Um, whereas, obviously, in the Dark Knight well, Rises... that is quite a creepy thought of him. You can imagine him just sitting in there to die, out of choice, just like... This is... Well, Batman's, think, Batman's not around. Batman's been defeated. Ah, What's the ah, point in me? But how would you know that? Because he's in a cell without any news, so you never know. See what word, I'm saying? Like, I, think, word, I think the joke... Word of mouth, it would travel. Part, part of me is still... Gotham's a dodgy city full of corruption. He's going to get <laughs> fed things. He's going to get information. Part of me is still wondering why uh, Nolan... And again, I can see I can see why he didn't. But part of me is wondering why Nolan didn't recast the part just to explore what they do with the wealth of characters for that third role. Like, it is a gargantuan task. But hey, to bring it back to the poll, if you'd have watched any of um, Scott McClure's stuff by that point, wouldn't have been exactly... He could have done worse things than cast Scott as the Joker for a scene. He looks enough like him. Yeah, it's frightening. When you see him in real life, like, very different physically from Heat. He's got very soft features. But you put the paint on just right, and he just it's frightening how much he looks like. And mannerisms, everything, it's creepy as sin. Also, um, if you're still not watching it, guys, massive nerd points in that series, because the amount of references and other characters from the Bat-Universe... They, they do Nolan versions of is astounding and it's so good series 2 alone has got Lex Luthor um, Lock Up Phantasm um, oh god there's someone else who recently popped up Black Mask pre-Black Mask he's Roman Sionis like oh, there are other it. characters in it and it's just they explore um, things creatively oh god yeah they, 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 they got a town on it got a town on it <laughs> they mac on it no they um, they got a town with it it's worth checking out well done, Mr. McClure, me old yent. Um, right. Four out of five. We're getting closer to the big boys. And this is one that's received a little bit of a backlash to yourself yeah. from some people. But I think we can justify it. Yeah, and also like the previous Joker, um, had the task of following on someone else. He's one of the two times the role's been recast, the same version has been recast for something. Uh, but whereas Joker Blogs is a web series for people who actively search for a continuation of that movie, this was forced on us. And that's probably why some of the reaction was negative to Mr. Troy Baker, who of course plays the Joker in Batman Arkham Origins, uh, and Arkham Origins Blackgate, and will soon be heard playing the role again in the DC original animated movie set in the Arkham game universe, Ar- Batman Assault on Arkham. Um, that game is not great. Like it, it, it is. If if the other two hadn't existed, this would make people go, "Oh wow, wow, this is really cool." But it just doesn't. The it, bar is raised too high. Yeah, now. it's under the bar of the previous. And not two. not even just the game is in the way it's played. The actual story and the actual well, scripting love from the production team. Scripting. I don't have as much confidence in Jeff Johns as DC seemed to. I really like his Aquaman. I like what he's doing with Justice League, but he's not the best writer in their arsenal. So, when you've got three Arkham games at that point, uh, by the way, if you're listening to this later in the year, Arkham Knight still hasn't come out yet. We're waiting for that to come out. Um, but if you are, but if you want to know what we're doing, uh, if you're listening to this later in the year, I imagine we've probably already played it and we've thoroughly enjoyed it. And now we're, we're sitting on a pile of money because we randomly found an oil. Uh, an oil what? refinery that no one had in my backyard. Yeah, it was off the map, so we just started taking cups. It's below of it. the decking since we ripped it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was months ago because this is the future. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're we're. Well, people it. listening to this, this is actually the past. Yeah, 
or is it? Oh, your, my brain just farted. Or is it your future, dear listener? Who knows? Troy Baker played the Joker. Yeah, and he got better at it after finishing Arkham Origins. Yes. By the time it came that to him, such a weird uh, thing to say, but it's true. Yeah, like, by the time it came to him just doing press junkets and and sort of panels and just messing around in interviews, it was like you've got a really good take on an on a similar to Hamill Joker. Yeah. Similar enough for people to go, oh, so it is. It is in the same universe, but different enough to go. But this could be a different one. Yeah, again, it's his own take on that version. Now, he wasn't following the Mark Hamill animated series Joker, he was following the Archiverse Joker, which is arguably the same, but sadistic. Uh, so, there's still comparisons there, and Troy took the challenge head on and did a sterling job. Like, he really was very good. I mean, there's certain scenes in Arkham Origins where you're like, yeah, no, that's brilliant. Including the bit where he, spoiler alert for Arkham Origin, uh, unveils him, like Black Mask takes his mask off in front of the remaining assassins and reveals that it was the Joker, has been since the beginning yeah. um, in that role because he's, he's sort of literally tied up Black Mask and shoved him in a truck. Um, uh, and there's that brilliant bit where they're all suddenly threatened. Like you even see, you see them all. Apart from Bane, who's like steely faced, you see them all look a bit confused and frightened. They're like, "What? What's? What's going on? Wait, wait, are we working for this guy? What? What?" Um, and there's that brilliant bit where he's just sort of chatting away. It's just he's he's enjoying every second, and it sounds great, and it sounds like the Joker. If you can detach yourself from the Hamill comparisons for even a moment you'll really enjoy his performance. And it's, like you say, it got better. Like you saw him in the junkets. He was really, he was reveling in it. He was enjoying it so much. And hopefully that's the uh, version of him that we'll get to see in Arkham Origins. Uh, not Arkham Origins, sorry. Uh, Assault on Arkham. DC animated movie. Which the trailer's not great, but I actually think it will be better than expected. I think that's a badly put together trailer. Yeah. The actual, the idea behind it, um, I quite like. And yeah. the little bits of his performance that we hear are good. Yeah. Now, maybe they've stuck them in there on purpose, because it's like, this was a bit later on when he really nailed it. Maybe some of it's not going to be as strong. But I actually think that will be... It might, considering some of the some of the last few animated ventures haven't been as strong as they used to be, this might be helped by that. And this might actually seem a lot better, because the bar is no longer as high as it used to be for DC animated stuff. Yeah. So maybe it will benefit from that. And the same with Troy Baker. Um, I think he could. He could come out looking a lot better and turning a lot of people sort of his way, turn a lot of naysayers around. Yeah. Also, I mean, good ambassador as well for the franchise. He and Roger Craig he, Smith he did loves it. every bit of press And junket. he massively respects what came before. Yeah. He openly says, look, Hamill's the Joker, but I'm going to do my version. Yeah. But Hamill's the Joker. Okay. I'll do my version. But how was the, the Joker? Joker. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that's the thing. What people forget is that taking over the role of the Joker right now is if someone took over, especially if it's following on from Mark in that same universe, would be like having to recast Homer Simpson. It just wouldn't feel right ever. So the fact that Troy hasn't been entirely slated um, says a lot. Yeah, people who people have said more, but he's not Mark Hamill. They've not said he's he's bad. They've just said he's not Mark Hamill, and it's like, yeah. What does it mean bad? That just means you're not God. Like yeah. it's like 
Well, you're Jesus Christ. You're not quite his dad, but you know, you get in there. Ah, oh, religion. Simon will no doubt edit that out. Probably. <laughs> atheist scum. It's a bit sad to say that I'm an atheist. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> so. Like, uh, just a quick rundown of why he scored 4 out of 5 some of you may still be a bit confused performance give him a 1 absolutely of course I gave him a 1 he goes for it and like Lewis says he's getting better and better and better story time the Joker literally invades the plot of Arkham Origins he's not the main focus at the beginning and well, then he takes it over yeah, yeah he, I mean to the point where it's not just like he shows up and steals the show he reveals that he was the show from the beginning. You just never knew it. It's like, dude, nice one. Um, his laugh is fantastic. Like, his laugh is very, very scary. Really, really well pitched. Uh, and he's era-appropriate. Reason? Uh, he's retaining the legend level of menace and sadism, but he's harnessing Hamill's clownish charisma. He finds, like, a happy medium between the two, um, which means it's always going to hit a sweet spot. But he, his legacy is zero. He, that was the one he lost out on for two reasons. One, so far he's only played iterations of Hamill's version of the character. Until we see him in his own continuity or context, he can't really develop a legacy yet. But uh, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Not a bad thing, no, no, no. But, but hopefully he'll get the chance later. Um, and also the reason he didn't get what's it on legacy, me old yen. Um, it's because Origins isn't that great. Yeah, Origins is, is is a side note that everyone's going to sort of forget about, really. However, it's not like he's not got enough characters to play on. I mean, he's also Two-Face. He's Two-Face in this franchise. So we're always going to be seeing Troy Baker in the games regardless of who he plays. Um, so, you know, good on him. Well done, Troy. You, you person. Top three list. You braced with your mind. You brace for your eyes. You brace with your mind eye. Oh God! What are you doing? You. It's twitching. the man who's probably made the most money from the character of the Joker. Yeah, literally, because he owns one the of name. the origin names. Yeah, and why not? Because it is his name. It is Jack, ladies and gentlemen. Jack Nicholson, Batman, nineteen eighty nine. There's not much we need to say about this movie because you've seen it and you've watched it. And you've loved it, and Yay. hated it, and love-hated it, and lated it, and hoved it. Um, I think the flaws have shown over the years, but oh Christ, there's yeah. no doubt in Jack Nicholson's Joker being one seriously <laughs> messed up dude. Yeah. He, he plays it brilliantly. The quote I picked for the article sums him up. It's the bit in the art gallery, best scene of the moon, where he he's in front of Vicky Vale, and he shows her what he's done with um, his bit of crumpet, and like her face is covered up and he says I now do what other people only dream I make art until someone dies see <laughs> I am the world's first fully functioning homicidal artist and you're like holy crap you not only enjoy being evil you're trying to make it sound like it's something you're supposed to be doing and everyone you're has benefiting to be cool with it the pages of history yeah it's just this is a sadistic man and what's nice about this joker is He's the only one on this list, if I recall, who, who we get a straight-up origin for. Um, and for one of the very few times the Joker's been given a straight-up origin. And it's an origin that, you know, we're mostly accepting of. Because up to this point, the Killing Joke was the one everyone decided. And in the Killing Joke, he was a reluctant participant in a robbery gone horribly wrong, who's driven insane by the events of it and events tied around it. In this movie, he's just a sadistic bastard from the off. He's a mob, uh, a mob, um, 
He's not really a thug, is he? He's, he's in he's charge. He's fairly high up on the on the chair. Yeah. He's sort of like a lieutenant in and, the, uh, in he, the mafioso. Yeah, it's he's and in terms of like the casting as well, it shows you how big they are because like the mob boss is played by Jack Palance, uh, who Jack Nicholson grew up really admiring. So to then have that play the boss and then the underling who becomes the the boss be played by Jack Nicholson, so it, yeah, it just it's like wow, there's a hierarchy here, and you are at the top of it now. Um, and but yeah, he's, you know what? he's a he's a horrible me, man. It's, it's especially in that at that point that was quite a believable, almost logical origin for the Joker. It's like no, he was a pretty dangerous guy who was always had a sort of had, had a view for the theatrical. Yeah, but well, then we, we, he we finally went at, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's hinted at quite early on based on his sense of dress. Like he has the purple suit. Um, he has the whole bit where he's threatening the uh, corrupt cop in the... Uh, what was this called? Descartes. Hey, Descartes! Think about the future! And just shoots him point blank in the chest. Um, uh, and then it's almost like he has a death and rebirth where he yeah. finally... It's just like all of those feelings that I've always kind of kept a lid on. I can now just... I've practically now. died. Let's just... Yes! Yeah, that is it. It is that whole thing. I've been given a second chance. I'm just going to do what the hell I want now. Um, and also, one of the most subtle and non-obvious yet expertly handled reasons as to why a supervillain goes with the name that they go with. It's not like, you know, oh, we're poisonous to you, Spider-Man. We are your venom. It's not, you know, they're not like trying to find a name. Crowbar of the name. He's literally playing with a deck of cards. That's his idiosyncrasy from the top. He's playing with cards and he's always flipping the cards around. He's always shuffling them. It's obviously the way the character copes with nerves or irritation. So he sees himself with pale lips and a white face and everything. He's instantly going to think, I like the Joker in my deck. Like, that's it. That's all you need. It's never mentioned. And there's no shot of him, like, looking at the card going, hmm, I will now become a creature of the night. A violent clown. Like, you know, there's no there's no thing of that. He just decides, I'm Joker. Like, yeah, I look like a playing card. I'm the yeah. Joker. Never said a reference. But you get it because you see those early scenes. Um, the dude is just so I mean, close I to any, Let's not forget, this is Jack Nicholson. Playing Jack Nicholson, playing the Joker. <laughs> Uh, it's, so, it's an origin, or a, sort of, at least a sort of a quite a general. Uh, I don't know. Sort of, basically, the, his this take on the character is referencing Mask of the Phantasm, where they mention he he was a mob guy. Yeah, and he was always a bit creepy. Of course, yeah, because the, that, now because the Mask of the Phantasm draws from this one. Yeah, yeah, like it has that thing of he what he was a mob guy. He was always a little bit creepy. Now he's just. Psycho, now he's just cut loose. Um, Footloose. He's kicked off his Sunday shoes in Batman's ass. Oh, like, it's God. just vicious, man. Uh, but yeah, it, it's nice because, again, it just, it's the whole like, it takes the one bad day theory and ditches it a bit from Killing Joke, which someone was saying, like, blasphemy. But you know what? That's fine because it means they're making their mark doing their thing. So then um, he did have one bad day where he finally went over the edge, but there was always that. Yeah, but it wasn't like a good person being flipped yeah, around. It this was, a was bad like person this is a bad person who being tipped over the edge. At one point, yeah. they knew where the line was. At least in regards to themselves, he knew. I'm, be- a, I'm better not- than my boss, but I've got to take the shit off him because he's my boss. Then it's like, <laughs> I practically died today. 
My turn. Yeah, I don't care if I'm screwing his missus. He I set had me one up, I'm gonna kill really him. bad day, and now yeah. I'm going to go batshit crazy, <laughs> literally. He also, for better or for worse, based on how your take is on this, and this is something I didn't mention in the article, he also is the reason the story even exists in the first place. Not because it's pretty much a film called Joker. Oh, and Batman's in here too. But because... Because <laughs> it is a joke. It's a Joker and Vicky By the way, that handsome comedy guy is also in this. Yeah, it's like with his turtlenecks. And his curly uh, hair. And his black eye makeup that disappears when he rips his mask off in Batman Returns. Um, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne? Why are you dressed up like Batman? Um, so, Oh, I played in the Arkham Origins DLC last night. There was one thing that made me chuckle. You know the thugs just run and they have banter with themselves. Yeah, they were talking. Penguin thugs were talking about like why he always carries an umbrella, and and one of them says like, "Oh, it's like a poison." Like someone says, "It's like a gun in disguise." There was like, "Oh, like someone told me it was like a poison tip, so we could like scratch people with it, people he didn't like." One of them was like, "Oh, oh, I know what it is." They're like, "What?" They're like, "Maybe he's painting like a big black and white spiral on it, so we can spin it around and hypnotize people." And then everyone goes, "Nah." That's- that, that's not it I was like they just made a, <laughs> just made a Batman Returns reference like nice which I one. love which I love oh I know you're a big fan I, I, that's the weird one because that's the one I fall out of love with the more time goes by but there's still I've not watched it for a while visually so for not. me to, to enjoy in there yeah um, I think it's more I think it's, it's, it's a Tim I think it's more movie the intent, with Batman in it I think it's yeah. the intent of the film that I love more than the execution yeah I love what they were they, they were really trying to make it bigger than the first one make it yeah. feel like a bigger world and really play up on the gothic. Almost literally, because the soundstage uh, limitations are apparent in the first yeah. one, that it's the same freaking soundstage. It's like, we want to make a big blockbuster, but we don't want to spend too much. Because <laughs> yeah, those nipples in that suit cost a lot. Hey. Oh, that hey. was... That was later was on. Oh, the, the, the filth. Um, but but Nicholson's Joker, anyway. Is, yeah. It's, it's a... Yeah. Come on. And something I didn't mention in the article, the, the reason the story exists, other than it being all about him, is because he creates the story. He... That Jack Napier replaces Joe Chill. He's the thug who kills Bruce's parents. Which a lot of people hate. A lot of people really hate. Uh, there are two big problems that people have with this movie that I've never understood. One is Alfred letting Vicky Vale into the Batcave. I totally get it in the it, story. It's a way to stop the man who he loves and cares for. It's like, yeah. here's his way out. He's got something to focus on other than beating the shit out of criminals. Some poontang for you, sir. So <laughs> Let's wander out of the cave. Please, <laughs> <He is> fucker. <laughs> Which is then heavily emphasized in Dark Knight Rises. When he's like, I thought I'd bring you a monkey if I thought he'd make you smile. It's like, oh, oh, bestiality. But it's always, <laughs> like you say, it's Alfred basically saying, look. You need to stop letting this consume you. Here's yeah. a woman who you've shown affection for, the first in forever. I'm sh- I'm forcing my- your hand. I'm showing her your life. Also, you're a handsome, in good shape, rich dude. Yeah. Here's a hot with, woman with a who wild, loves with you. With a wide collection of turtlenecks, <laughs> like <laughs> and beautifully tweezed eyebrows, <laughs> and unnecessarily large suits of armor in a hallway. Like, just oh, take advantage of, of the fact she she's quite into you, you, Tarzan. She Jane. <laughs> Let's get this thing happening. <laughs> she likes your bat penis, sir. And the other thing, anyway, yeah, is the whole. The other thing is the Joker, the yeah, being being the murderer. I'm fine with that. And, and you it, know and I'm it fine with that? It doesn't mean it definitely happened. It means he knows how to fuck with people as well. Yeah. Like it might not necessarily be. This could be Batman projecting. That's a popular you know, theory. Yeah, yeah that, that Batman just puts that face onto whatever he's facing. 
like puts them into that position so that he is determined to stop them and never let them hurt anyone but, again. But it also kind of makes sense because it's like wealthy family could have been a hit placed on them rather than a mugging and yeah. here you have this mob guy who's clearly worked his way up over the years that would have been a stepping stone for his career. It's like not bring, that I'm thinking about it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And he's but, like oh the Waynes there we go. Why yeah. not eh? See you around kid 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 kid. But like and also if this is the only other Batman movie it means that there is a, a mythology, a snake eating its tail, a robberous kind of effect to the plot, which means that it could stand out on its own and just live as it is. Now, yeah, cool. To be honest, I would have appreciated if it was just random thug, but hell, if you like Batman, you've read enough Elseworlds and alternate universe stories to be like, okay, I'm open to interpretation. Tell me what you're working with. Oh. Also, if you've got a problem with this film... It's got to be the fact that Batman not only uses guns but kills hundreds of people. Hey. He explodes a factory full of henchmen and then <laughs> shoots half of them at that float parade. Not thinking about civilians, but anyway. Hey, Lewis, Batman you want, you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's, Let's get, get our eyebrows done. Oh, <laughs> Keep them for president. Um, now, moving from one very different incarnation of a storyline... <laughs> doesn't work. Basically, it's a weird Joker. A Joker that the moment we all heard about it, we were like... No. Stop what you're doing. The rom-com guy with the cheekbones? Fuck you. Why has he got grease paint on his face? (laughs) What is this? Like, what? That's not the Joker. Boo! Boo on you, sir! Boo! The guy from that awful film, A Night's Tale? I think not. Boo! He's not even American, so... (laughs) That doesn't even matter. Racism! Australian criminals! Basically, it's Heath Ledger. Uh, he's uh, one of our remaining two. He got a five out of five. Of course he got a five out of five. Why wouldn't he get a five out of five? He's the late, great Heath Ledger. Indeed uh, One of the better looking Jokers. And <laughs> one of the genuinely scary and at the same time, nervously laughing along with him. Mm. Jokers. He, he's just... He's just... He's a Joker for the modern day and for the modern audience. Yeah, he, he, he's horror on legs. Like, he's just unnerving and it fits perfectly well with Chris Nolan's I hate this phrase ultra realistic gritty reimagining of the Dark Knight because you couldn't have the bleached skin psychopath you could have someone who bleached their skin on purpose to create a look but instead he chose war paint because he liked the idea of this guy getting up every day looking in the mirror going right time to with people's minds and then just smearing paint on his face and and going out there um which is great i i right uh, people say which favorite comic book movie and i say this is a weird one my favorite comic book movie as of the moment is probably the avengers because it was the most satisfying film i've ever seen and it was so comic book yeah oh god yeah my favorite movie is the dark knight um, because rightly or wrongly you take Batman out of that you take the comic book style stuff out of that and it's still a good film yeah it's an amazing it's a it's solid amazing crime fr- flick with a, a crazy thriller. psychopath <laughs> exactly it's a crime thriller with eccentric criminals and Ledger reveled in that part man he loved it Terry Gilliam recently was asked in an interview um, when he guest edited uh, Total Film Magazine they uh, did a sit down with him and they basically said like a lot of people uh, claim that Heath Ledger took his life on purpose because he was in a dark place when he was making The Dark Knight and what he was doing the, you know, what he doing the post-production on that and he was in the pre-production of Dr. Panassus and they said, like, was there anything you'd like to say? And Terry Gilliam went, bullshit. 
I said that's utter bullshit. He's one of the happiest people I know. One of the people who's most eager to play a role and create stuff like I've ever met. He said he he would be doing pre-pro with us as he was wrapping up his last few weeks on The Dark Knight. And he'd come to us and we'd say how he'd been and he'd be laughing his ass off. We'd ask why and he said the amount, what they're letting me get away with is amazing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm annoying. I'm annoying other actors. Like yeah. he basically said that um, he wasn't doing it too annoying. But he said like Aaron Eckhart actually pulled him aside one time. Was like, why are you playing this scene like that? I don't know how to react to you. And he went because you wouldn't know how to react to the Joker. And as soon as Eckhart realised, he was like, shit, you got a very good point there. But it was <laughs> it was enough to throw another actor off and be like, wait, hang on, what? What are you? Do, and it just unnerves you from the off this Joker looks this Joker looks nothing like any Joker you've ever seen before and he looks nothing like Heath Ledger <laughs> yeah it's girls, weird girls who there's some fangirls who fancy the Joker and blah and it's like no no this is you fancy Heath Ledger and you fancy the charisma you do not find that man attractive because that is an ugly fucking Joker Christ yeah I mean they crinkle his forehead like crazy he's got the prosthetics of the uh, the grin carved into his mouth like underneath all that paint and the hair that looks like it's never seen a bloody drop of water never mind a shower mm-hmm. like it, it's a frightening version of the character that just digs in it digs his claws into you and won't let go y- you want to see more and thanks to Scott McClure like, and the guys over the Joker blogs we can now see more of this version of the character but uh, if you never once watch an episode of that or never plan to you don't want to sully Ledger's performance um, then you don't have to go any further than this movie. I, I could happily, <clears throat> like, if the universe was collapsing, and we were told that we could save one thing, but we'd have to get rid of everything else associated with it. My penis. I'd say, like, oh, n- no. Unless you want me to get rid of you. I mean, I don't think you should. It's useful. <laughs> um, I, like... Uh, and they basically said to me, you can keep one Nolan Batman movie, but the other two must die. I'd be like, oh, I really like Batman Begins. Dark Knight. Keep it. <laughs> it's easiest to watch. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's that thing of of, a, of even even great trilogies. The first film, you've got to spend time setting up the characters, establishing the character, doing the origin, telling a lot of story. Second film, focus on the action. We know who the character is. Throw a villain in there. See what happens. Mm. Third film, you've got to wrap it up or have some sort of epiphany and whatever else. The yeah. second, see, it's the same thing for Iron Man two. I find it easier to watch than one and three because it's literally just here's Iron Man, here's a new villain, bang, right, next film. Let's look forward to what else is coming yeah. up. We can it's pure popcorn fun. But this is sort of like the thinking man popcorn. The, yeah, this yeah. is this is the darker popcorn fun. This, this is this is this is the person who's just come out of an art house uh, sort of, um, you know. Uh, uh, oh god his brain not working see even thinking about it is melting my brain this is like a basically sub- he's not a monster he was just ahead of the curve god damn yes well done sir that I- got a bit annoying though for years on <laughs> on the internet afterwards too many fanboys People doing their own versions of the Joker and licking the face and it's like you realise that was a professional actor he did more yeah. than lick his fucking lips <laughs> Anyway, I do love that. That's McClaw's picked up quite nicely. The 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 the, the tom, so early on he did quite a lot, movements. but he really found, like I say, as, as it goes yeah. on. Because I've watched a couple of the later ones. He's a lot. He plays it a lot more subtle and does it a lot better. It does two things. It makes him look like a 
uh, sort of a sly, sadistic snake in the grass, like he's, he's his tongue just lashing all the time, like a Komodo dragon about to run over and tear to pieces. But also, it shows that just like us, he can't leave a scar or an ulcer alone. Like <laughs> he's poking it with his tongue. I'd, I'd say he's more of a dog. There's lots of references into him being a dog. I'm like a dog chasing cars. I, I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. It's like, one good point. It just, I he just... Has, hangs his head out of the window when they've stole the cop car. Yes. With his tongue oh. out in the face. So, yes. I mean, he, has, he has dog... Uh, the big the big finale with Batman, what does he do? Chuck Rottweilers at Batman. It's like... Yeah. And, and they're not attacking him. They seem to have this pack mentality of, this is the alpha male dog. This is the... This is the dog with the biggest balls this is the one, on the this human one that, and a crowbar. This is the one that fed us that tasty human being earlier yeah. this evening. We should probably listen tasty, to him. Tasty, tasty dick. Tasty, tasty. Italian. No, it was the Russian, wasn't it? My dogs are hungry! Yes. I, 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 don't think, I think it was more meant to be Spanish. It's quite... It's quite a I think, I think they're meant to be the Russian and the Italian, but... Obviously, because like, the Russian was Carmine Falcone in the books, wasn't he? So they, they sort of played it down a bit. Uh, I didn't get the impression he was Russian. Maybe he was just a bad actor. No, he was good. He was good. Oh, I love the dark night. Is, is a good movie. See well, how lawyer little doggies are there, or whatever he says. <laughs> no, is it? See how loyal a hungry dog really is. And it's just like Christ, scary son bitch. I mean, all right, let's pick a best moment, for, like Joker wise, in that movie. For me, it's the bit where he just gleefully sets fire to half of the cash. Like there is at least sort of I'm only 40, my hat. like forty million dollars just stacked up, maybe even more. And it means nothing with to with uh, Mr. Lau at the top. <laughs> it's brilliant. My it just sets fire to the one side of it, and the guy's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, don't worry, yeah, I'm only burning my half." And you're like, "He really doesn't give a shit." Like he's just there to, and that's the one moment where you go, "Wow, this guy isn't motivated by anything." Like he just does things because. The, the, like, the two, it's insane this you always want to reach to the screen and grab some money just to save it and then spend it there's two bits for me there's one where he's he's it's his first I think I think his first main appearance when he walks into the meeting with everyone <gasps> yes and when, when how Luke, did he get in he gets into the back of the kitchen but you're not telling me he's not murdered someone yeah. to get into that room yeah. well when Gamble steps up and says um, what's it but, but, but he basically it? says like this guy's crazy or someone says he's crazy and he literally so after all, after all the whimsy he's like N- no I'm and he's very yeah, serious just, I'm not crazy you're crazy I'm not. I, I'm not I I'm not and he suddenly it's like he's actually upset and offended by that because it's like it's like don't, don't, mis- don't I'm the same this. one yeah for this has a purpose this makes people scared and that's what I want yeah I want them to be scared and the other bit for me is when he's just casually walking along oh. to the crashed um, so after Batman's fell off his bike and he's just walking along just shooting at random cars and just going and then he stood there like come on hit me hit me which is like, for me I because re- it's just that thing of he just it's almost like there's a wall around him where he ca- he's invincible he's yeah. walking along the road with where there's like a truck of armed cops that's turned over who should be getting out and shooting at him there's a street full of people th- there's cars flying at him yes. Batman's coming and he's just walking along just shooting at people and nothing's touching him and it's like this man is just he is a force of nature he is chaos he just walks and things around him <coughs> just fall and break and die and like did you know why Nolan put that scene in there he wanted to pay homage to his favourite scene from the 89 Batman flick 
and then better it. Like he wanted to do a better version of his favourite scene, which is kind of arrogant, but good on him. Do you know which bit it is from the 89 flick? The plane coming down. The bat planes ascending and it's just Joker at the head of the parade. Is that where he says, come on, hit me. Hit me, you gruesome son of a bitch. Come on. And it's just like, wow. One of those famous moments where Batman, terrified of guns, starts firing guns at the Joker. Who then just pulls out. And this is so comic book, but like, and so bad, but so enjoyable. Just pulls out the one big comedy gun. Shoots the plane once and down goes the plane. <laughs> it's like, whatever. But again, it shows the thing that, like, this isn't just a knobhead who's gone pale in the Nich- Nicholson Joker. This is a guy who knows <laughs> how to handle weapons because he's been doing it for years. Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of belief. And jo- the Joker blogs only throw hints at their idea, their version of this. But there's a heavy belief that the man who is the Joker in Dark Knight was a military man. He knows how to handle weapons. Like it's like he's been o- he's been overseas. In fact, I think it's in the Dark Knight Manual, like the book they released after Rises, that's sort of meant to be like official case files of this, that, and the other. And there's like half a page on the Joker before the files have been like taken out according to the print on the book. Like they've been mm. removed for other reasons. He can't read the rest. But there is a bit that mentions that he possibly has a military background. Uh, is this guy uh, knows belief, what he's doing? Belief being that it's someone who's suffered either some trauma. Or um, has seen the devastation in in Iraq, whilst uh, 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 you know posted overseas, and has gone. Why the hell are we? Like, what the hell are we on this planet for? This is ridiculous. Like seeing that was enough to make him go. What's the point? Like mm. people are going to die. Well, I may as well help them along. And uh, like, do you know what I mean? It's just the whole thing of wow. Or it's a guy who becomes shell shocked <coughs> and is. If, if, so that, that would make him insane in a way. It's like he's yeah. become this. This character instead of himself, and he realizes what a joke life is. Yes, yes, bitch, yes. He fledged everybody, and it's not just down to his performance; it's down to Nolan and the creative team reimagining this whole universe and the character as well. But Ledger really nails the sort of intensity of the character, and you believe he in that in that film. The only reason I think of it as Heath Ledger's Joker is because of the tragic death after the film. When you're watching it, and when you really cut loose and just lose yourself in that world, you're just watching a genuine psychopath. And how delicious it is to take part in that visual buffet. Now, this, we're a little biased here, because when people say, like, yeah, you like Ledger, and you don't like Nicholson, because Nicholson's your daddy's joker. It's like, this is our joker. We're the daddy. This is daddy's joker. And this is a joker which, there's not... (sighs) I don't even think it's worth talking too much about because I feel like it wouldn't do him justice. You just go back and watch any episode of the animated series or specifically watch Mask of the Phantasm Mm, and you will understand why this man is... he He's just the Joker. He just is. I mean, he's what he must be one of the longest. He must be the longest serving one. He is, yeah, he is. uh, 21 years by the time he'd... uh, quote unquote retired from the role 21 mm. years he'd played the part from 1992 I mean, to um, uh, to uh, 2013 this is a guy who's played two of the biggest pop culture characters in history mm. he's gone from the farm boy turned Jedi knight and saver of the universe Luke mm. Skywalker who then spends a few years on stage and doing bits of TV and kind of just not needing to do any work, just doing what he wants, because yeah. he had that Star Wars money, so yeah. he's literally one of the richest men on Earth. 
Um, <laughs> At least in merchandise. To, he's yeah. got a clause in his contract that means every new piece of Star Wars merchandise ever made. Because he's a massive geek himself. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day when he said, when they were in the contract, they were like, talking about residuals, and he said, tell you what, I've heard George wants to make toys. Can I just have one of everything? They were like, what? This is one of everything ever made, Star Wars related, because I'm a collector and I like, you know, action yeah, figures like and books. Things. It'd be kind of cool. To this day, he still receives boxes like once a month full of one of every new thing that comes out yeah. because it was in that original contract. But yeah, he he is someone who didn't he, need he did he didn't need to work. to pursue like a big iconic yeah, role. And he found a role that he managed he managed to not use his face because everyone would be like, "There's Luke Skywalker." If it was a live action Joker, and he manages to do to really dip into his training and really use. He, he managed to just use his voice to capture everything that we've discussed today about, especially with Nicholson and Ledger, about why the Joker is so scary, why he's so intense, why he's so physical and deadly. He just uses his voice to do this. And not just in animation. He's done feature-length stuff. He's done games. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're talking about Mark Hamill, you know. Oh, I was back on... Kev- oh, yeah, Mark Hamill. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I just thought Kevin Michael Richardson needed his dude. Uh, Mark Hamill, who, uh, these are the credits I put down on the site. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, slash the new Batman Adventures, or, or the Adventures of Batman and Robin. Uh, static Shock, I totally forgot the joke was in a Static mm-hmm. Shock crossover. Uh, Justice League. Uh, I don't Justice believe, League Unlimited? Did, I don't believe he appeared in Unlimited. I think he did um, later on. But, uh, oh, we could have done, I'm confused now. I know he definitely appeared in Justice League, because he's in three stories across the entirety of Justice League. Uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker yeah Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum Batman Arkham City Uh, and what I forgot to put on actually was the student film that was made a couple of years ago the Lego Batman student film where he voiced the Joker and Adam West voiced Batman oh god which is a really cool uh, short film Um, and very cool and they basically reached out to me and said we're making this and your favourite Joker and your favourite Batman, would you guys be interested in voicing it? And they went, yes. And they did it. And it's awesome. Um, dude's played him the longest, man. And you know what? He's probably the one who the least people outside of the main, you know, fanboy community, most people, you go up to them, they'd recognise his performance of the Joker. They'd recognise the animated series look and they recognise the voice. But they wouldn't know that's Mark Hamill. Yeah, oh, he's, he, the, he's even almost the unsung hero of it. Yeah, he's the biggest one. Like, even in my article, I, I don't mention Star Wars until the very last sentence because I I wanted people who hadn't quite joined the dots there to yeah. then go, oh snap, really? Like, because it's I mean, it's Luke Skywalker, man. The dude influenced your life in your childhood when you watched the old Star Wars trilogy for the first time. And then as you move on to adulthood and adult geekdom, you're like, oh, this Batman animated series is amazing. Luke Skywalker's there for you, man. Luke Skywalker's Skywalker's looking after you. Um, So good. Like, reveling in the part. He was originally brought in to voice a character in the Mr. Freeze story, um, Heart of Ice. Uh, And that was, during that, they were like, we'd like to find another role for you because we liked you and we liked what you did with the Trickster and the Flash TV series because you played the Trickster. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'd like to do some more stuff with you. And then eventually one of them got back in touch and said, we've got an actor drop out of a role to Dr. Tim Curry and we need uh, someone to play it. Would you be interested in trying out? And he was like, yeah, what role? And he went, the Joker. And he just leapt at the chance. He was like, God, yes, absolutely. I've got a voice. I want to try it out. And it's a voice that 
we associate more than anyone else with that part. When I read a Batman comic, it's I hear his voice. Joker. Yeah. The same way that I hear Kevin Conroy whenever I read Batman dialogue, I hear Kevin Conroy. Oh, not Bale? Swear to me! That line from Wendy Jire where he talks about on his first night on the job, he peed his pants. Like, imagine that in Bale. <laughs> it's just like, what's on patrol? I pissed myself. I pissed myself real good. It's a side of metal suit. <laughs> oh god but oh, let's god, let's yeah. be honest honestly like it doesn't even it doesn't need much discussion it's literally just a case of look go and watch his Joker and you will see exactly why this man is for so many real you know big Batman fans mm-hmm. this guy is the Joker there's a reason he's the voice you hear when you read comics even comics that look nothing like his interpretation. Yeah. You still hear that voice because it's just so right. Yes. <laughs> it just is the Joker. Yes, it just it just it, it's frightening. Hamill sort of is the once and future king of the part and even if he remains retired from it or comes back to do one more stint or what have you, he's always gonna go down, I think, as the, the most um accurate portrayal the reason why he and Ledger have scored the same is because they both played the same character and they both got the same character but if you're looking for accuracy Hamill's your man like he, he, he's got it down pat and he, he's used that voice that he's read in his head since a child since being a kid reading those books and brought it to life and like no one ever has and no one probably ever will so my god Mark yeah, handsome git. Well done, you. And well done, you guys, for having a listen to our uh, sort of extra, our little bit of bonus material in relation to Last Laugh. Our little boner material. Oh! Boner for the for the Joker. Oh! Not said, that my boner's a joke. Oh, God, whole You, you said little boner thing. material. Look, I don't have any material oh. about little boners. Oh god! Oh god! Uh, if you want to have a look at the articles proper and see why they got the points they got, because uh, you either agree or disagree with us, head to catalystpodcast.com Click on Chris's blog. While you're out there, check out Lewis's. You've got events starting soon. I do believe. I do declare. Uh, no promises. That's <laughs> all right. I took I took like two months to finish this one. Don't worry about it. Yeah, like, I've got something. no nobody nobody is going to be on your back for like a year. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? When I've left it this long between updates, my god. Um, but yeah, no, check it out. Prepare yourself for it. And tell us on Twitter and Facebook, who is the best and why, Mark Hamill's Joker or Heath Ledger's Joker? If you don't include a why, we won't even pay attention to it. However, if you write Mark Hamill and write because, that counts as a reason. (laughs) Yeah, that totally counts as a reason. If you write Heath Ledger and write um, just because, again, counts as a reason. But tell us why. We're curious to know. Uh, Fate... The fate of these uh, clown princes, oh crime, is entirely in your hands, guys. And there are a couple of the little jokers that we've not mentioned, so throw them up as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe you've got a lot of love for the Mortal Kombat Injustice guy. Maybe you're a big fan of the vintage 70s cartoons. Maybe you think the dude who voiced him in the Scooby-Doo Batman movie crossovers <laughs> is worthy of a mention. Uh, There's uh, the guy who played him in the uh, BBC Audio Nightfall uh, audio drama from the 90s like just if you've got a joke you love that I haven't mentioned tell us a little bit about uh, 
Uh, we'll catch you through the week on Facebook, Catalyst Podcasts. Uh, CatalystPodcast.com is the website. Um, we're Catalyst Pods on Twitter. I'm very tired. Are you? Yeah, I'm we're... gonna go pee. I'm gonna pee real good. Imperial. After that, we'll spoon. You want to be a big spoon or a little spoon? I want to be the one that's peeing. Oh, big spoon then. Keep, keep, keep me with a warm back. Okay. <laughs> On that note, guys, oh, we'll see you soon. 50th episode extravaganza is happening at some point. Uh, might be a couple more point episodes before then. So that's for episode 49.1. Bye! Ho, he, ho, ha, ho, ha. And I thought my jokes were bad. <laughs>